welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luhr, and today we're crossing over again to the city of London to catch up with Ben Smith of FLM Wealth Management. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you, Marcus. Very delighted to be here on a lovely day in London. Oh, great to hear. Yeah. It's uh, this time of the year that it's not always a guarantee anymore, right? Uh, having nice weather in London. <laughs> exactly. Today it's blue skies and a lovely fresh day. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Now, I want to frame a little bit our conversation here because it's a little different than what we normally do, where we have sort of more of a biography style. What we're really doing here today is we pick a very specific subject, which I believe is highly important for the listeners and for all, for my audience to really understand uh, what's happening in this space and, and what are the you know what services especially your company provides and of course others who are providing similar services and how important that is for athletes and you know especially young athletes and so the the whole podcast really is I would say is a very educational element about how to you know how to be smart about investment how to you know be financially educated and of the importance of having a plan. Now, that's basically what FLM does, and we're going to be in the next sort of hour exploring that exactly, what that really means, how you guys do it, uh, the services you provide to clubs, and of course, uh, you know, to the players directly. And I think there's a lot of interesting sort of points here, which we're going to be uh, highlighting, which, as I said, uh, is really critical. So hopefully, Young athletes uh, or families, their their parents uh, will catch this and listen to it because I do believe it's it's a really important topic. So, but before we get in there, a quick one on yourself here. Um, you know, Ben, you've been in the company now for about ten years, so uh, that you know makes you a a senior advisor in the group, and obviously that means you've been working you know for a decade now. Uh, advising clients, uh, and not necessarily just in sports, but I guess in the general sense, on their investment and uh, you know wealth management side of it. So, let's let's talk a bit about it. You know, a bit about uh, yourself, and of course the company. Let's let's start there. You know, maybe share a bit about on your own your own journey, and then let's talk a bit about what the company does. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's it's probably best to start with a bit of background on me. Um, so so I grew up in Surrey, which is. Um, just outside of London, you know, lo lovely sort of uh, suburbia type uh, place in, in just outside London that was a great place to grow up. And I was really lucky in that I had great parents to, who engaged me in money from a very young age. Um, so a couple of examples of this, I, I always had a, had a monthly allowance or, or pocket money, as it's often referred to, mm -hmm. which I learned from various household chores. So I think I sort of learned the the importance of money and the importance of having to earn it um but then i i would also only get a certain amount so i'd learn the, the the important lesson of budgeting and how to save for things that i wanted maybe when i was a kid so maybe it was a new football shirt or a new pair of boots or something like that hmm. or, or soccer should i say and i, I will be using uh, football quite a lot so uh, when i say football i am meaning soccer yeah, and and then I guess one of the most important lessons I had um, was on my 14th birthday. My dad gave me 300 pounds, which at the time was extreme amount, uh, extreme amount of money to to me certainly, to invest in in three shares of companies. And he made me go away. I had to research the companies I wanted to invest in, and then in a sort of 
Shark Tank or, or Dragon's Den, as it's called in the U UK, style meeting with, with my own dad. I had to present um, the, the shares that I wanted to invest in. All right, okay, cool. Yeah, and, and he stress tested it. He, um, you know, put my, my thesis under the spotlight, as it were. And after that, he, he purchased the shares for me. Um, and this this was massive for me because it really taught me some some key lessons when it comes to investing. So things like risk and volatility and dividends, it, it's all stuff that none of us learn in school. Mm. Um, and certainly I, I didn't even learn anything like budgeting or what a mortgage was or what a loan was when we were at school. And I, I think that's the case for, for most people out Absolutely. there. So the background really set the foundation, I think, for where I am today, which is as a chartered financial planner um, and someone who coaches and, and educates athletes on on all things money. And, mm. and very simply, my role now, if I had to sum it up in one line, it's to help my clients make great decisions with their money. Um, and that is, you know, a very large area. There's there's tax, there's investing, there's planning for certain goals there's there's so much that falls under that and um again for, for most people it's not having the time or or inclination to do these things themselves yeah for sure uh, you know and, and since we are sort of focusing of course on the athlete and the sports side of the business uh, the interesting part and we'll get into it much deeper later is of course the assets make all you know many assets can make some substantial money at a very very young age uh which yeah. makes it even more interesting but also more dangerous um as we've then seen and, and again we'll dig a bit around that later of course um but before we get there you know maybe give us a little more background on on the companies uh, there's flm and, and i believe then there is a larger organization behind it which is called uh, st james uh group right so maybe just just give a bit of background on those two companies and and you know how it all comes together yeah, so to set the scene, I mean, St. James's Place has been going since 1992. They are one of the largest wealth management businesses in the UK. They're a, a FTSE 100 company. Um, they've grown extremely quickly, e even since I've been there for the last 10 years. Um, and effectively, they're, they're a partnership. So there's lots of different individual businesses across the country, and, and FLM is, is one of them. So FLM, we're our own business owned owned by our shareholders, and and I'm one of those shareholders, and um, we do a range of things from, as I said, tax planning to to wealth management, and for a lot of the wealth management side of the business, we we partner with St James's Place, who provide lots of different solutions, whether it's in banking or investing or tax structures, um, that they really give us an amazing framework to allow us to give advice um, to clients in, in firstly, a, a safe environment. So um, it's obviously a very regulated world that we live in. Yep. And St. James's Place do a great job in making sure they monitor and check what their advisors are doing with a very sort of close microscope, which is very important in our industry. Um, but they also give a really great, um, I guess, security to clients because they know that they're dealing with a small and nimble firm like FLM, which we're about 130 people, mm -hmm. but they're also dealing with a, a large organization. And, and St. James's Place have about 150 billion of, of clients' money un, under management, and um, it's it's growing um, very strongly uh, over, over recent years. Yeah, great. Yeah, that that's great. And I think it's, it's always good to give people a bit of sense of size here. So, you know, 150 billion under management for St. James, and you guys are you know over 100 people. That that is a significant companies here. So, uh, great stuff. 
Um, so let, let's dive a bit deeper in, um, in, in, you know, let's start really, you know, defining the assets advisory industry, maybe. Uh, let's start really from the sort of big picture here. Um, obviously, not they're not just people like yourself. Um, there are banks and lawyers, and I'm sure certain managers <laughs> provide advice and God knows. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's it's a convoluted industry. And, and what I want to sort of start off with is sort of, again, just framing the mindset here or, or the picture for folks um, who are listening, um, that, you know, how much can go wrong, right, um, in, yeah. in a career. And, uh, you know, and that's, let me just, just sort of maybe throw a few stats out here, which I read uh, doing a bit of homework on our conversation here is that, and this is, again, not always the same across the world, but the U.S. had some interesting numbers that up to 78% uh, of NFL players and 60% of NBA players face serious financial hardship fairly shortly after retirement. Um, you know, some of the numbers I saw was as early as two years. Um, and then, you know, actual bankruptcies, uh, you know, you know, 15% of all NML players go bankrupt within about sort of 10 or 12 years. Uh, that, these are scary numbers because clearly everyone knows those are well-earning athletes, right? Um, your, your average NBA and NFL player makes most, most cases millions of dollars and in other sports, you know, it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, but those are, you know, these are large amounts of money but you know there are then they, they they're clearly not doing well in the financial planning uh these careers are in some cases fairly short so it's a short big earning power which need, you need to do and you be smart about of course setting yourself up for for the future so you know when you guys look at this and and when you i guess with a flm which which actually stands for um, what's the, the full name? Financial lifestyle management, right? So I guess there is a bit yep. of a focus on lifestyle and, and, and uh, you know, obviously the financial side of it. Uh, when you guys looked at it, what was it really what you saw, what the industry needed and where were the gaps or, or you know, where did you guys feel you could add value what others are not doing? Yeah, well, again, I think I think we need to start with um, the, the, well, start from the beginning of the story, and and certainly if you look at sport, you you alluded to it, it's it's a short career. Now, what that means is a short career means there's a long retirement, right? So yeah. if if it's, so it's soccer in the UK, you you start playing when you're 16, 17 professionally, and and you normally stop by the time you're 35. Statistically speaking, that means you've got about another 50 odd years to live. And that's very, very different from retirement um, in a more traditional career. So let's take someone that um, works in an industry like mine. You normally work until you're 60, 65. Um, so your period of retirement is much, much longer, yeah. uh, much shorter, sorry. And when you look back in history, retirement was only really a thing. It only really became a thing um, in the sort of 60s and 70s um, when obviously income started to go up and people started to be able to invest and, and set up pensions and those sorts of things. So that retirement topic or subject is only really a, a fairly modern one in itself. Then you factor in how earnings in sports careers have drastically increased over the last 30 years. Yep. So in the UK, the stats are, are unbelievable. I mean, if you take something like soccer, um, in the early 90s, the, the average sal salaries were about 20,000 a year. And, you know, that was a lot of money back then. Mm. But nowadays in, in the top flight of football, they're around 2 million a year. So because of TV rights, and, and we've seen this this week that um, 
the rights that to the soccer league in the UK are, are going to be sold for sort of double what they were um, in 2015. So, so the all filters down to the players and the incomes have gone up. Absolutely. Now, why that's really important is because if you start earning lots of money at a young age, then it's very, very easy to not behave in a sensible way with it. I mean, how many of us um, make really good decisions with their money in their in their early twenties? I, I just, I think yep. it's one of those things you you learn as you go. And in a traditional career, it's it's not as much of an issue because your higher earning years are, are at the back end of your career in your maybe forties, fifties, sixties potentially. Right. So our whole background when it comes to advising athletes is first of all to make sure they're properly educated and. That can't happen in your mid-20s. It needs to happen when you're in your teens and, and preferably early teens. So we're talking about academy players when they, they first start at clubs. Mm. If we make sure they're educated, then we've got a better chance of getting them into really great habits when they earn. And in my experience, downgrading your lifestyle is extremely difficult. You know, starting to spend less each month, starting to live in a smaller house, starting to... to driver you know not so fancy car is a very very difficult thing for people to to comprehend and to to put into action so if you start from the beginning and and when someone gets their first contract maybe they're earning ten thousand pounds a year as an academy player if very quickly you get them to save you know say half of that that income from the get-go when they get their next contract it's very easy to say right we save half again um and that's just one simple example Yeah, no, I, I think is a is a I think is a perfect example. Um, to start the habits, right, is really what you guys are talking about here, um, because it there's no, there's it, it's pretty clear um, that there's plenty of athletes who don't do that, right? who do a complete yeah. opposite, and uh, you know, and, and again, there the, the the I guess the tabloid pages are filled with it, um, you know, and and again, that's why I want to just throw that out real for a bit because you know this is sort of where we're what people read about and that's just the ones you read in the papers about uh that's not yeah. the ones which you don't read about where them you know dozens more and you know whether it's these big boxing stars right everyone's heard about mike tyson holyfield and you know riddick bowie from i guess uk there and but it's i i the research i saw is that it, it goes all the way to ray robinson who obviously was a yeah if you're a boxing fan you would recognize who it is you know we're talking about 50s 60s here and he went bankrupt right you know you hear about boris becker's tax troubles and other troubles again you know fairly highlighted in the uk there um and then in football similar right uh, from ronaldinho mm-hmm. to paul gascoigne and others um so it, it literally is across every sport um it is you know clearly across high profile players who get themselves into troubles for all sorts of reasons right? and and no yeah. not single case is always the same for sure uh you know I, you know again we without listing that but uh as you said, in many cases, it is that lack of education, which we just touched on a bit, right? Um, now, mm-hmm. when you guys go into these clubs and, and start talking to them, you know, I know there is a bit of a process. So why, why don't you just go through that a bit? You know, how do you educate a young athlete, right, who A, maybe doesn't have a whole lot of interest in it and maybe do, right? Again, you know, there, you probably have extreme examples, right? You have kids who love, yeah. you know, think, wow, this is amazing and, and they get it and and then you're like, well, is it, you know, this is the last thing they could, you know, bother with because, as I said, they they destined to make tens of millions of dollars, um, and therefore, 
why do they care, right? They let other people, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, it's not what, what's on their radar, I'm sure. So how do you guys approach it? I mean, you know, give us some real examples of how you work with clubs and, and, and you know, what is the education you guys are doing? Yeah, and, and you're, you're spot on. I mean, if you're going to talk to a 16-year-old a, a who's just started earning money and, and dreams of becoming the next, you know, R- Ronaldo, then um, they're often not really thinking about whether they should be saving money. And and our, our whole program um, is, is focused on trying to get these athletes to understand that how wealthy they become is not going to be dictated by how much they earn. It's it's mainly going to be decided by how they behave with their money. So mm-hmm. the, the starting point for us is rather than going in there and, and saying, right, guys, we're going to go straight in and talk about investing in the stock market or um, how you can shelter your money from tax, where, which would obviously just switch a lot of these these kids off. Mm-hmm. Um, we go in there and we tell them some stories. So we, we tell them um, some stories about people that maybe have behaved really well with their money and, and people who haven't. So, mm. you know, a really good example is um, someone like Floyd Mayweather. Um, he earns an obscene amount of money every time he he steps into the ring. Um, he's one of the top three earning sports people of all time, um, alongside Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Uh, yep. I think the latest stats is that he's earned about $1.4 billion in his career. But there are articles out there, and you know, I don't, I don't know the truth of these because I, I can't have a, I haven't seen his finances. But there's, there's stories out there saying that he spends all his money, and each time he gets back in the ring, it's to, you know, help him, help him fund his lifestyle, which yeah, is obviously like, like many of the others, fellow, fellow boxers, right? <laughs> it seems exactly. to be a pattern there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's a, you know, it's a fast lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah, and um, the, the private jets, the jewelry, all these sorts of things, it, it's easy to spend money, and and that's one of our early messages is there's always someone out there that earns more than than you you know even even if you're floyd mayweather you know there's there's jeff bezos and and elon musk right so we tell them some stories about that then we tell them some stories about people that have done it well um so good example in in the world of entertainment is someone like jay-z um he's he's invested his money gradually and, and we do this this sort of quiz question where we say right how much has floyd mayweather earned in his career and, and everyone uses an app to, to sort of have a guess at this and so it gets them involved and hopefully um you know engaged in the conversation and actively listen mm. listening um and then we ask them a question say okay well how much is is jay-z worth and, and by worth we mean how much do all of his assets mm. so whether that's house and stocks and shares and companies how much do they add up to? And actually, funnily enough, the answer is pretty similar. So it's it's anywhere from about one billion to one point five billion in, in Jay Z's example. So we're sort of framing the someone that's earned lots of money and spends it all versus someone that has earned lots of money but has invested and, and done sensible things with him with with the money. And then we lead on to to you know other examples. Um, we talk about. Um, extreme example, someone like Warren Buffett, who, who started, uh, lots of your listeners will know um, about his story, started investing from age 11 with, with I think, $35, um, is now worth $101 billion, sixth richest person in the world, and and all that's come from, from investing. So it's just, it's really trying from the first minute to get them excited, engaged with all things money. And then as we go through our program, so we have sort of a a six-part money education program, which which each part is a different presentation. Mm. 
each time we do one, it will have a different topic and they almost get a little bit more heavy as we go. So, so the real nitty gritty, how do you invest? How do you diversify? How do you build a sensible plan? Obviously that's, that's right at the back end when hopefully everyone's engaged and, and on board. Hmm, interesting. Now, again, just to, um, how does it, how does it start? You go, you guys approach clubs, um, a, let us come in and, and do this education uh, for your for your players at academy level or whatever level, or clubs come to you, or you know what's the sort of uh, normal route here? Yes, yeah, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, we we work with a number of clubs now. Um, we've got good capacity to expand our program because we we train and develop lots of advisors uh, at FLM each year, so we we're growing, um, and it's. You know, it, it's it's a lot of it's word of mouth as well. If if someone in the player care team sees our presentations and really likes them and likes the program, then um, they'll often refer us to another player care team person at a different club. Um, so it, it, a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, but I think the other the other fundamental part of all all of our sessions is that there's this breakout groups at the end of each session where we get the athletes sat down and talking about some of the topics that that we discussed so so maybe if there's 15 people in the room we'd we'd go into three different breakout groups um each hosted by by one of our our team and we get them talking and that's actually probably the most useful part because you'll get one athlete who who is saving and um you know is in some good habits and you'll get one that isn't and mm. when the one that isn't sees another one of their peers who who's doing some really sensible things i think it it really sets an alarm bell off. Um, so get 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 it, making it interactive. I think is is fundamental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I agree. I mean, I, clearly at that age, um, if you bore them in the first ten minutes, you lost them, right? <laughs> or in the first five minutes, yeah. probably you lost them. So uh, yeah, keeping their attention span, which because uh, this is anyway that we are talking about their money and and their future, right? Uh, and and understanding, and learning that you would hope that there there is some interest there. Yeah, they do really surprise surprise us from time to time um you know we were uh, to give you an example we were at a um academy uh, football club recently and um we, we were doing a session on on goals so having goals in your life as you do in sport you know it might be to 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 win the world cup or um might be to get to the wimbledon final whatever it is so at the same price with your money you need to have goals with your money whether that be to to stop working and, and be able to provide yourself with income from 35 whatever it might be yeah. and, and i said to the audience and it was a group of um 16 year old um academy players and i said has anyone ever had a goal with with their money and and often when we ask that question someone might put their hand up and say you know i'd like to buy a house when i'm 20 or, or something like that but one of them put their hand up and said i want to have £120,000 a year of passive income mm. when I stopped playing football at 35. Nice. And and I was just like blown away. I was like, that is amazing that he's, you know, yeah, already he's thought about that. And yeah, and yeah. so it's it's great. Exactly. See. At least he understands or, you know, he's read somewhere about passive income, which is yeah. exactly <laughs> the key word here. Um, exactly. Now, the other, you know, passive income is, is a great term. The other great term, which also, also you guys use, I know I've seen in your presentations, of course, is the concept of compound interest, which 
actually, I'd, I'd like you to talk a bit about because that's not again just for athletes. That's for anyone, um, you know. And I wish I have to admit, uh, when I was maybe twenty, uh, that concept I understood better. Um, I have an MBA. I don't recall that they really uh, taught us that. Um, again, like you said, you know, even even when you when you when you're learning whatever levels uh, in in schools, um, the sort of basics of understanding that, right? And 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 Warren Buffett is probably the king of understanding that and, and how he's leveraged that obviously over his entire career and, and for the, the businesses he built. But uh, let, let's talk about talk about it for a minute because I think the reason why it is so interesting for an athlete is, as we said earlier, an athlete, assuming you know someone who does well in its sport can earn a lot of money at a very early stage, right? However yeah. early that is, let's pick 20 as an average maybe for, for you know, most sports. Um, that is very young, right? And if he then is smart about it and uses that money, of course, in the right way, the compound interest is what makes the big difference versus someone, like you said earlier, has a traditional career and maybe only starts making you know, proper money in his thirties potentially. And then, you know, and she has more time than to invest. So those 10 years make a huge difference to by the end, right? When you then look yeah. 50 years down the line. So talk about it a bit more and, and, and really demonstrate the power of that. Yeah, well, it's, it's so true. I mean, everyone probably knows what compound interest is and, and everyone's probably heard the, the saying that it's the most powerful force in the universe, which obviously mm. was, Albert Einstein. I think I think a lot of people are familiar with that. But do but many how it people... works is a different thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And again, how do we bring it to life? We've we've got to use stories and and give them examples. So there's there's a few that I like. Um, a very simple one is back to Warren Buffett. You know, if you look at his wealth, he's he's worth 101 billion, um, and 97 billion of that was accumulated after his 60th birthday um, or 65th birthday, I think it was actually. Um, so, you know, again, you, you can see the power of the later years and how his wealth really started to compound. Um, the other example that we really like is um, just a simple story that we tell. Um, it's Jill versus Jack. Jill um, and Jack both invest uh, or have a career that's 30 years long. And in Jill's scenario, she invests £50,000 uh, for the first 10 years of her career. So she puts £50,000 for 10 years, so she's invested half a million. And then for the next 20 years, she doesn't invest a penny. So um, 10 years of investing, 20 years of no investing. Um, on the other hand, Jack um, buggers around and doesn't really uh, get started early, so he, he doesn't invest for the first 10 years. But then he invests for the next 20 and he, he puts 50,000 a year in for the next 20 years. So in that example, Jack, the second guy who invested late, has invested double yeah. what Jill has. Right. But the outcome at the end of the 30-year period, assuming stock market returns, mm. is that Jill has double what Jack does. Right. So in that example, it's sort of 7 million versus 3.8 million, I think, is is the, um, is the ultimate outcome. So... Again, just getting people to understand the power of starting early and, and, and in a traditional career, it's not normally possible. If, if you start as a graduate at um, you know a large firm, you're not going to have much disposable income, I'm sure. But when it comes to athletes, they actually do have the luxury of being able to really front load their investments um, if, if they make some sensible decisions. Um, so it's just bringing, it's bringing it to life again and it's... Um, it's having some things in there that I think 
shock them and help them and, and things they talk about when they leave the sessions. Yeah. So you've got to make it, you know, eye opening. You can't just have a few facts in there, some some stories to bring it to life really help. And and then we go away and ask them to research it. So we always send them a bit of a video after the session, just recapping the key points. And um, we'll then say to to the to the athletes, we say, look, go away and Google these things. Just 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 Google Warren Buffett and, and read about him for a bit. And um, next time we see you, tell us what you learned. And um, and they do it, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I mean, and that's that's why I was wanted to stress this point. I think if if no, if someone was listening, it takes nothing else back here, but keeps that in mind. And whether that is for an athlete. Or whether you know you for for their sons or or, or kids um, who they want to you know help and educate, I think that is the the key. Really, is that put the money, put some money to work um, at early days, early age, uh, especially with athletes who have you know strong earnings at, at potential at that time already. Um, it is a whole lot easier, right? You do not need to blow it on also other crazy stuff. Uh, and if you put, if you do it properly, yeah, you'll have a nice retirement plan right built into it. So I think we can't stress this point enough uh, for sure. And hopefully people listen to that. Uh, now let's talk a bit about your process. Um, so obviously, you, as I said, you go, you get into clubs. Now, uh, I was going to ask earlier a bit of, uh, is, are you currently mostly focused on the football industry in the UK? Obviously, you know, a lot of money there, or are you also in other sports or what is sort of, your main focus yeah quite quite a few sports actually um and it really really varies um in terms of the earnings in 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 the sports we work in so rugby golf and football um are probably the three big ones um and and in those in those the earnings are normally um normally pretty good and they do give the earnings give you the ability to to really set yourself up for life if you make those good decisions yeah. rugby is a bit different in the uk or often rugby players will often have a dual career and um actually here at flm um one of our uh, trainee advisors is also a, a ex-rugby player a professional rugby player so th there's more of a tendency to have another career in in the world of rugby mm. um but then there's some niche sports as well and um you know there's there's sports like squash and um there's there's running and athletics and and other sports that we do a bit of work in um and in those sports the earnings are, are much much lower and and all of those those clients tend to have um other careers alongside it right, right. okay so you, yeah so you really you're not just dealing with future millionaires you, you are dealing with let's call it the average you know guy on the street uh in some yeah. sense right uh, but just who's uh who you know uh, is an athlete um now yeah. the, how sort of Let's talk a bit about the process. Um, you know, once you you know you, you got into the clubs uh, or or whoever you're talking to at that time, um, you give them a first idea. Um, you know, then there is obviously I guess an engagement, um, and then you start working on this sort of just just go a bit through that sort of step by step process. Uh, and if you can share a bit, you know how it works or you know what fees people can expect and, and how it all the whole thing comes together. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess separate to the presentations because they're educational and they're um you know more generic with with a group of people yeah. um the the real power of of having a wealth manager or financial planner is someone that sits down with you and and you know there's tons of people that do this across the world and um and i think the standard of advice has, has got a lot better over recent years um but someone who sits down with you fully understands exactly who you are, what your family looks like, what you want to achieve, 
Um, you know, do you want to stop working when you're 45? Do you want to send your kids to college? Um, do you want to buy a holiday home? They understand all of your hopes, dreams, aspirations, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, has all the hard facts as well. So you need to obviously know, you know, how much you're earning, how much tax you're paying, um, the assets that you have, um, any future inheritances that you might receive, all those sorts of things is part of what we call a discovery session. Um, some people might call it a fact find or a confidential review, whatever you, you might call it. And I'm sure lots of lots of your listeners would have, would have been through that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but for us, focusing on the goals is the most important. So it's really easy to, to log online now and, and invest your own money and, and anyone can you know go online and start a share dealing account, which is very different to, to what it was 20 or 30 years ago before, before well, particularly before the internet. Um, so people can do some of this stuff themselves th these days. And that's why I think actually the level of advice is, is really improved because people like myself need to add additional va value over just, you know, setting up a tax efficient investment. Mm -hmm. um, so that discovery session is really important. And it's not just about us gathering information. It's about getting the individual in front of us to think and really take time to establish what they want to get out of life. Um, so hopefully a lot of our questioning prompts them to, to that deeper level of thinking. Um, once we have that, then assuming we think we can help, which on the whole, we, we normally think we can, um, we would go away and put together a um, report or strategy document, whatever you want to call it. Um, we, we call it uh, your plan, uh, which details all of the ways in which we can help um, you to, to achieve your goals. And that includes things like tax planning, it includes things like diversifying your investments, it might include helping you buy properties through mortgages, it might include helping you get better returns on your cash through cash management platforms, there's a whole host of things it could include. Mm. Um, it may even include things like insurance, obviously, which is very important, things like life insurance, um, critical illness insurance, those sorts of things, which again is an, an area that a lot of people are, are very undercovered in. Um, we write that document, we send it through to the to the family or client that we're dealing with because it's, it's very important, particularly um, between a couple that we, we deal with both spouses. Um, and then we would get together for a meeting face-to-face, um, -face, hopefully, um, obviously not so much over the last few years, um, to run through that. And, and we'd run through it in detail. We'd answer any questions. Um, we'd talk about our fees, which again, I'll, I'll touch on. Um, and then it's over to the the um, clients to see whether they want to continue working with us. And critically, there's no upfront fee for that that service. So so anyone that meets us, and, and I think most most advisors are like this out there, um, would be able to see what you can do and, and see a full sort of schedule of what it's going to cost them before before they go ahead. Um, and then just just touching on the fees. I mean, I think this is probably very different depending on where you are in the world, but certainly in the UK, um, the, we live in a, a very regulated world, which is, is obviously a great thing. Um, and the FCA, you know, have certain rules about fees and 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 how people charge. And the, the, the thing I always say to any, any client is that the fees should be uh, proportionate to the work that, that we're undertaking. So, you know, if, if we're gonna set someone up with an investment and see them once a year, then clearly they're going to pay a, a lower fee um, than someone who has huge levels of investment with us with complicated trusts and tax structures and needs to see us 10 times a year. So it should be it should be relevant to what you're doing. Um, and typically, um, the way in which 
most people get charges is through um, either hourly fees. So, so they might charge you, an advisor might charge you by the hour for the, the time that they spend, similar to, to a lawyer. Um, they might they might charge an annual retainer, um, so a fee that sort of encompasses their advice. Or um, some advisors get paid on, uh, for assets under management. So how much money you're looking after, an ongoing fee to help look after that money. And I think hmm. crucially in the UK, um, all of those fees are discretionary now, so they can be turned off at any point, um, which again means means that the power ultimately um, lies with the client, and and the advisor needs to continue to show value to to retain those clients. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Sounds like a pretty fair process as usual. Well, as you said, well regulated anyway. Uh, now yeah. let's, let's talk about something a bit more fun here. Um, as I, not that this other stuff isn't fun, but uh, when athletes invest, of course. Um, or come in as a a investor, and that doesn't mean just just you know investing in some shares or you know other options, I guess, which are out there, but truly bringing their name to the investment, right? Uh, and that could yes. be we've seen plenty of that in the U.S. again with NBA players investing in sports tech, um, and or you know other you know energy drinks and you name it, right? Um, Serena Williams having you know range of uh, you know clothing line and and so on, right? So, uh, and we all know that um, that's again only for a certain level of athletes who clearly has that um, you know well known uh, name to it. Um, but there are plenty of those, right? And it doesn't always have to be just the biggest star in the world who can add value to a more local business or, you know, any franchise for that matter, um, if he's well known within a certain city, right? Because that's where he plays football. And, uh, you know, in the local, I don't know, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, bakery, Shane there, you know, does a deal with him uh, where, you know, because he's well known there. So, how much do you guys do a bit of that as well? And, you know, how much do you see that is, is part of where athletes can get really good deals in a sense? Because, as I said, it's not just their money they bring, but it, they bring in a name along with it. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so true. And um, it, we, we always talk about athletes being their own brand now. So, right. so if you are a player at uh, or you play for the Miami Dolphins, um, Miami Dolphins is obviously a, a huge global brand, but so are the so are many of the players that that play for the Miami Dolphins. And what what would happen, obviously nowadays, is is because of social media, um, they have an instant following and they have an instant way to create revenue streams. So yep. so we all know that advertisers would like to pay someone that's got a hundred million followers on Instagram to to advertise their product and. Absolutely. When it comes to smaller companies, um, they so need two things. They need cash flow and they need exposure, right? So they yep. need to get their name and their brand out there and, and they need the cash to, to help the business grow. So athletes, um, by default, have a really interesting role to play for these businesses. And, and you know, you listed a few examples. Um, there's countless people that do this in the UK as well. And how it tends to work in the UK is there's there's sort of two ways you can do it. So here we're talking about more normally unlisted businesses. Um, so, you know, a great example is is someone like Whoop um, in the US, which I'm, I'm yep. sure you've heard of, but it's yep. it's a fitness wearable. So yep. it, it a bit like an Apple Watch. It tracks all of your heart rates Smart and data rate. to do exercise. Yes. Exactly. And, um, you know, that's a growing business. It's not listed yet. It needs capital. 
um, but it needs exposure as well. So lots of the, the golfing community wear Whoop, um, and that really gets the name out there. Um, but what what you will say with these investments, and it's really important that we um, we educate our clients on this because it happens very often, um, is that it's it's super high risk. So investing in an unlisted business um, means that a there's no liquidity. Um, so normally you can't just get your money back easily unless you you find someone else to buy your shares. Yeah. Um, and secondly, um, the way in which you tend to get your money back is when the business exits. So either a larger private equity firm buys that business or it lists on a stock market if it if it does really well, and then the investors get their money back. So the whole um, the whole reason I'm saying that is that that needs to be a very small proportion of someone's wealth because right. it is the higher risk, it is the top proportion. But certainly, if they if they find some really great businesses, um, then it can represent a, a really interesting growth area for the for the player, but also a great endorsement for the company as well. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. It, it, these are clearly higher risk. Um, now the the ultimate trigger, of course, is if the athlete can get free shares or you know sweat equity, yeah. so to speak, uh, without having to put his own money in. Then yes, there is a reputational risk um, if something obviously goes wrong with the business, uh, and that's still something to consider. But uh, it, it's not your hard-earned money then at risk, right? And, and I do have seen this quite often. Um, I've, I know a couple of examples where. Uh, that's been offered to athletes um, for especially new businesses, startups in a certain area where, you know, it just naturally fits with an athlete, um, whatever sport or, or you know, image. And uh, so I think, yeah, those are all, in, you know, again, I guess you could say they're a little more fringe. It's probably not the bread and butter of what yeah. the way you guys are advising. But again, I think it's uh, it's a good way. And again, for both for the listeners here, both if you are a business and you're looking at it that way, um, you know, bringing an athlete in without having to pay him maybe a huge chunk of money, uh, whether he is willing to come in with cash and or, of course, in a worst case, in a worst case, it doesn't have to be a worst case, uh, you know, in another case is um, you just, you know, giving him some sweat equity um, where you don't have to pay him and he doesn't pay you necessarily, but, you know, both sides win at the end of the day. So I think they're all interesting examples of that and um, and just kind of fits a bit in the topic we were, we're talking about here. So, um, yeah, and it's and I'd also add that it's it's a really exciting area of investment to get involved in. You know, if you invest in a fund that is managed by someone or or tracks an index, you know, there's there's not much fun in that. It, correct. It normally sits in the background and and hopefully it, it compounds at seven, eight, nine percent a year or whatever it does over the long term. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to these small growth businesses or scale up businesses as as we often refer them, you've got a much more active role to play. And and as an athlete, it could be as a, a brand ambassador, but you can go to the shareholder meetings, you can see the growth of the company and and as long as you're as long as you're doing that with a proportion of your money and it's diversified, then um, I, th I think it's something that athletes really really enjoy and get a lot out of. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think it's it's a really exciting space. And and again, you know, you read about the big examples when someone makes lots of money with it. You don't read about all the ones which fail yeah. and crash, of course. Uh, but like what we said earlier with athletes when they uh, when they go uh, the wrong way, but uh, uh, it, it's an interesting space. Um, now. You are obviously focused on the UK. You you work any, doing anything outside, let's say larger Europe or even the US or other places, or is it purely UK focused? Yeah, I mean we have offices um, at St James's Place. We have offices overseas, um, so places like Dubai and and Singapore are areas where where okay. we have offices. Okay. Um, 
And typically what we would do is um, if someone moved to certain areas of the world, then often we'd need to bring in other specialists to help with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously, you know, if you take somewhere like the US, for example, the tax laws are uh, extremely different to what they are in the UK. So we would... um, often bring bring off the bench to use a, uh, a football uh, football example um we bring off the bench a specialist who might deal in in u.s tax and and they can then advise them on all of those those areas um so again again it's about having the the right people around you so if a player is going to be international that they don't just need one advisor in the uk they need quite a few um and again working with someone who knows the landscape well means that they should be able to bring in trusted sources of advice um from all, all parts of the world really yeah makes sense now just just to clarify so flm does not just do athletes right you you work with the average guy on the street as well correct or is there a certain yeah. wealth level um you have to requirement to and to do for you to hire you guys or well i think it's a really important um point because we we actually we've been going for about 20 years and we started by purely advising people in the city of london and and for those who don't know that the city of london is the financial district in in the uk right. in london and um so we started by advising city bankers and lawyers and right. people in insurance industries and those sorts of things and i think that was that was really great grounding for the company because um if you're sitting in front of someone at JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs or whoever it might be, then then you really do need to know your stuff when it comes mm. to your investments and tax structures. Um, they certainly put you through your paces. Um, so we started uh, as as a firm that advised professionals, and then we over the years we've moved into various different industries. Like business owners is a big part of our of our offering now. We deal with a lot of people at tech companies as well. Um, so we're with complicated share structures and remuneration structures that's a big part of our advice and then sport um more seriously over the last five years and um the sports piece has been very interesting for us because i think there has been a lack of education out there and i think there's there's maybe been it's been an area that hasn't always had the best best advice and you can again find lots of good examples of that so i think that that grounding of working with um professionals means that actually we're very well placed to um to give some great advice to to athletes and and others out there yeah that makes complete sense now ben this was really fun uh, you know uh it was a good uh sharp uh 45 minutes here we got uh going through this i think really important topic especially for young athletes and or the families of course uh which come with those athletes normally um, and or advisors or managers or anyone out there who uh, who takes care of those uh, young aspiring stars of the future here to to listen to this and and be conscious of it and knowing uh, you know what to look for of course and so appreciate that um, now if someone wants to reach out to you what what's the best way to contact you guys um, maybe their email and and, fo- and uh, website etc. Yeah, exactly. So um, we're, we're FLM limited um we're, we're obviously on the internet we're on linkedin um we have you know quite a use, useful uh website so flmlimited.com which uh, has lots of information about us and, and how we help people and and our various advisors um and then we post lots of stuff on on linkedin so that's a big big platform for us we'll post tips about managing your money market updates what's going on in the world all that sort of content and the good stuff and and we also have our own podcast as well so um right. hopefully marcus, marcus will uh will get you on ours at some point as well <laughs> yeah sure we'll do it the other way around I, i'm yeah. sure i can use some uh, financial advice here as well 
Great stuff, <laughs> uh, Ben. Uh, good. Uh, it was. I enjoyed this. Uh, I learned some things, and I'm sure we'll have some more conversations here in the future um, and all the fun things you guys are doing. And uh, wish you best of luck there. Uh, and of course, we'll we'll add some of the the references in in the podcast note as well. So if someone didn't catch exactly how to get you guys, uh, you know, we'll make sure that is uh, is there. So thanks for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your morning there in London. Thank you, Marcus. It's great to uh, great to join you. Definitely. Talk soon. Cheers. The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Lure Podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories. All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Lure. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.